Good afternoon. Uh, my name's John Venados and I'm the Managing Director, Head of Implementation Asia Pacific. I'm joined today by Alex Coosley, Investment Strategist of Russell Investments. Alex, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me, John. Um, got a few questions I was going to ask you today, um, and obviously I'm very interested in your thoughts. Um, obviously, the one at the moment is uh, starting is how are you seeing the markets at the moment? Yeah, it's been it's been a very strong run, but we still think when we look across our indicators and you know the way we view the world right now, we think the cycle is still quite supportive. The economic cycle, the earnings cycle, uh, and even the policy cycle, even if. We have interest rates rising. We don't think they are going to rise next year, but even if we did see one rate rise, that shouldn't be a challenge to the equity market. What we do expect, though, is there's probably going to be a bit more volatility next year than this year. This year has been very extraordinary and very limited pullbacks. We've seen a 6% pullback in the S&P 500, which is very abnormal. So some more volatility, but still think the cycle is supportive. Right, and with regards to the um, clients' potential changes on, on their portfolios, um, where do you see sort of the fixed income and equity markets going? Yeah, so on the fixed income in the US, we had seen some de-risking from the pension funds. Um, that seems to be largely over now. Uh, I think the other thing we're probably going to see next year in terms of the bigger funds is that there's probably going to be a desire to add risk if we do get that volatility, given that the outlook for the, the economy, you know, like recession risks today are still quite low, given we are early in the cycle. Great, great. Now, obviously, are there any indicators which are causing any market concerns at the moment? Uh, there are a couple. I mean, the, the big one right now that's causing the market probably the most concern is this narrative around inflation and this debate around transitory versus permanent inflation. So we think that we are in a transitory spike in inflation uh, driven by the COVID supply chain bottlenecks uh, that is starting to abate at the very edge. And we've seen container shipping rates start to decline. I think the other indicator that is really causing a lot of concern is in China, the offshore uh, high yield bond market, uh, which is a large amount of Chinese property developers. And given what's happened with, with Evergrande and Fantasia, there is a lot of concern there. But even there at the last two weeks, the, the risk has mitigated a little bit on the back of some pretty big policy announcements from the Chinese government. Great. Um, obviously, uh, our good old Australian dollar, um, a lot of the pension or superannuation funds are, are hedging against foreign assets. Where do you sort of see the dollar at the moment and do you see us hedging more or less? So we think that the dollar probably has, the Australian dollar probably has a little bit more upside, particularly at 73 cents. That's a reasonably attractive level. One thing that's keeping us a little bit cautious in the very near term is that there is a lot of RBA activity priced into the short end of our government bond curve, which is flowing through to the, the Australian dollar. So there could be a tiny bit of downside left, but as we look out 12 months, we think that it's probably to the up uh, from here. Um, it's probably around that 80 cents mark, maybe. Got it, got it. I mean, obviously our cash rates here are relatively low. Where do you see them moving? And uh, more importantly, obviously, if the cash rates are moving, where do you see how that affects our fixed income portfolios? Yeah, so we have generally a shorter duration view right now. We think the rates, I mean, on the long end of the curve are going to move higher. They're still quite compressed. Um, but in terms of the RBA, we are less aggressive than the market. So the market has a pretty aggressive profile, three rate hikes by the end of 2022. 
Um, the RBA themselves are talking about it's closer to 2024, and, and we think it's probably sometime around the middle of 2023 is when the RBA are going to rate. Uh, to, to hike rates, because if you think about the Australian economy, there isn't as much wage pressure building uh, here as compared to, say, the United States. And we also have the hurdle for the labour market that the international borders will reopen at some stage through 2022, and that influx of labour uh, will probably dampen wage growth. Great, great. Um, obviously, a lot of the superannuation funds here have the individual uh, asset allocations. Do you see funds trying to change what they allocate to the individual sectors? Uh, what we've seen, I guess, and we've seen it here at Russell with our funds is kind of pulling back a little bit of risk. We had, you know, we were very positive at the start of the year. We still are positive, but given that growth rates have been so strong and they can't continue that way, it's taking a little bit off the table, but still above normal um, growth assets in general, which I think is the right place given the supportive cycle. Um, within equities, I think the major bugbear or the major um, debate that's happening right now is what to do about emerging markets equities, um, given that um, concern around the Chinese economy and the property market. As we've, you know, we think that the downside in this is still there, but the, the our base case is it's a manageable slowdown. Um, it, you, you know, we're still quite tepid and cautious on AM. We have seen some funds starting to essentially buy the dip there. Got it. Obviously, derivatives is a very hot topic at the moment. Um, where do you see funds using them? And from your perspective, what are the sort of benefits in the, in the asset allocation strategy? So for us, we've actually used derivatives quite a bit in the funds this year. Uh, and the main place we've been doing it has been in duration. Um, so our fixed income and our multi-asset funds have been using duration just to kind of rebalance uh, the overall positioning. I think that's really the strength of derivatives in a multi-asset portfolio or even in just the, the single asset classes is that, you know, you can really get a nice uh, ability to adjust the, um, the exposures without having to go into the physical markets and the costs involved with that. And so with our duration, you know, that's been kind of the, the big play this year of, you know, we've uh, we had... Uh, reduce the duration of the fund using futures at some at one stage. We did that ag uh, again uh, recently. And then the very most recent activities actually we've added a little bit of duration using futures just as a diversification given how much rates have moved in Australia. Great. Uh, you talked about emerging markets. I mean, a lot of the funds down here in Australia obviously are looking for growth and strong performance. Where do you see emerging markets versus developed markets? So we have a, I mean, right now we think that developed markets outside of the United States present a really good opportunity or the, the better opportunity of all the regions. So, you know, we think that there's going to be above trend growth in Europe and Europe actually has been kind of the, the quiet outperformer this year. It's done quite well. Um, the UK is probably the cheapest market. Uh, Exhortations there for next year is still quite low. So that's another market we look at. And, and Japan, um, again, looks relatively um, attractive relative to the US. On emerging, we still think the outlook is okay, but just the risks around China are, are very much leaving us cautious right now. And you not just have the property, but you know, the emerging market indexes are so heavily weighted to consumer tech, uh, which has very much been in the crosshairs of, of the Chinese government. And you know, we, we don't think that pressure is going to abate too much in the near term. Great. Obviously, we saw what happened in 2008. Um, how do we prepare or somehow um, pr 
prepare our security for a potential downturn in the markets? I mean, I think the biggest theme for you know, the comparison to 2008 if we're taking it, it's just making sure you have a good diversified portfolio. So even though we have this above average or above trend growth outlook, and we still spend a lot of time talking about diversifiers and making sure we have downside protection. That's where things like duration, we also like the yen. It's very cheap. No one likes it. Uh, and if, if, if the world doesn't play out the way we expect, that's going to do quite well. I think the bigger question though about comparing to 2008 is that this cycle is very different in a couple of ways. The first is, the recovery that we've seen has been far stronger than what we saw through 2008. I think it's pretty much taken half as much time to get GDP back to where it is today relative to 2008. And the other big difference that we had that kind of big double dip in 2008 uh, or after 2008 was that you know, fiscal policy stopped being so accommodative uh, and monetary policy sort of stayed there. Whereas this time we have both fiscal and monetary you know, providing some support, particularly in Australia, where we have moved to a new regime in fiscal policy. And so I think there that means that the risks around that kind of really sharp um, decline as a fiscal policy set back, it's probably less likely this time around. Got it. I mean, obviously, we will be biased with this next question here. Um, when do we see the um, Australian cash rate rise? And more importantly, if when it does rise, um, how will that affect the implementation? Will it be easier or harder? So I think in terms of where we are with that RVA, so we, as I mentioned earlier, we think we're probably mid of 2023 is around the right time when we see the cash rate rise. Now that's faster than the RVA talking about, but it's much slower than what the market's pricing. You know, as I mentioned, like there's three rate hikes priced for the end of next year, but that does seem too aggressive to us. In terms of implementation, and I think it's going to make a huge difference because even though they are moving mid-2023 or say by the end of 2023, even if they get two, three rate hikes away, we're still looking at a cash rate that's 75 basis points. So that, that really shouldn't um, throw too much of a spanner in the works uh, for the financial system. The bigger question, I guess, is, is how quickly they go once we get beyond those first couple of hikes because there is a lot more debt in the system. Obviously, right. than there was. So that will be where the challenge is, but that's not good. That's probably a question for a, for another time. Great. Yeah. And obviously, one last question. As our investment strategist, uh, what keeps you awake at night? Uh, so the first one, I mean, I cover Asia Pac. It's my remit. So China, I spend a lot of time worrying about China uh, and the property risks there and just the general slowdown. Um, that's one thing. I think the other one is the inflation debate. I mean, I think the transitory is right, but you, know, you do see some numbers coming out that make you a little bit more concerned. And I think the bigger picture here is, you know, the capital labor split. We've seen a system that's been very in favor of capital for the last 20 years. And, you know, are we starting to see a sign that that regime is shifting? Because um, that's gonna have some pretty big repercussions uh, longer term for, for asset markets. Right. All right, I think that brings the end to our podcast. Alex, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, JB. Thank you.